This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Page 148. So basically, the addressed and starts answering, he's going to start answering the questions that he opened up. Why we say in the morning prayer that we plant tzedakah, which gives sprouts salvation. And as it says, as it says in the verse, Zidu lechem so plant tzedakah. And the question was, why the analogy of sowing and planting Tzedakah is something you do with money. You should have said you acquire salvation through, by giving money, you're buying, you're acquiring salvation. Why planting? And he explained because Rabbi Lazar before he gave Davin would give tzedakah, because it says, it says in the verse that Anibit said, through tzedakah I will see your face. Because davening is a time to see, come face to face with Hashem. Hashem reveals His face, reveals His own self his essential self, his transcendent self, and that illuminates the soul of the person who is davening and he experiences and becomes absorbed and loses himself in godliness, loses his ego, becomes egoless and becomes connected and absorbed with Hashem. Such a revelation, such a transcendent revelation that transcends all of the world, even the higher realms. How is it possible? This is an act of tzedakah from Hashem. So in order to merit this act, we have to give tzedakah. When you help a poor person, Hashem responds in kind and gives us, does, us, does for us a pure act of tzedakah, a pure act of kindness, by revealing Himself to us. The question is, it's not commensurate. If you would have said by giving tzedakah we can get a share in the world to come, we're going to have the revelation of godliness, the soul, the disembodied soul, we'll be able to experience a glimmer of the ray of Hashem and be able to experience it, that makes sense. It's measure for measure. Of course, it's our measure, and Hashem will give us with His measure in the world to come. But there's no connection between the act of tzedakah, giving a penny to a poor person in need, to the tzedakah that Hashem gives by revealing to us His face, which transcends all of the world. What's the connection? And that's the analogy of, of planting of sowing. As the saying says, you know, miracles you do instantly, the impossible takes a little longer. So when you exert yourself, you're Any exertion that we do, the results are way beyond our effort. So much so, the rabbis say, you're you exert yourself, or matsasi. Matsasi is mitzia, like finding a lost object. You didn't work for it. You just walked down the street, you got lucky, and you found, you found, the, you found the lost object. So the result of any effort, any exertion that we do, it's almost beyond, it's not just limited. Okay, you exerted yourself and you'll see, 
results. The results will be like finding something, like so beyond your efforts. So that's almost like a miracle, it's beyond what you even expected. But then there's the impossible. The impossible, that's the act of sowing, the act of planting. What's the connection between this seed and how do you get from this seed? You plant it into the ground and it rots first, so you don't even have the seed. And from this seed, you're going to get this luscious, beautiful, huge tree that's going to last and endure and continue to give off fruits. And then, Where did you find that tree in the seed? It's an impossible event. And the answer is it has nothing to do with the seed. Hashem said on the third day, the earth should grow. He empowered, he put his abilities to create something from nothing. He put it into the ground. So when you plant the field, it's Hashem's divine energy that's something, creating something from nothing. From this seed, which rots, you end up with this beautiful tree. It's literally like something from nothing. But nevertheless, we have to plant. Why do we have to plant? If Hashem does everything, we hand it over to Hashem, basically, and He does everything. We have really almost nothing to do with it. And that's why it says a Jew believes in Hashem and he plants. Because to a Jew, you see, it's an impossible event. I'm planting and something will grow or it has anything to do with me. It's, 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 there's no human fingerprints in us. But nevertheless, we have to plant. You have to sow. And you, have to, you, have to, you have to plow and you have to sow. Of course, Hashem does the rest. He gives the rain and, he, and, and, and the ground grows. And it's, uh, it's renewable. It's endless. It's infinite. But you have to plant in order to awaken this. If you don't plant, nothing will grow. To awaken... And that's why the seed rots. When the seed rots, and it becomes one with the earth, it awakens. Since the seed also comes from the earth, it's also a product of this divine ability to create. So when it becomes unified, it loses its ego, sheds its ego, and becomes completely unified with the earth, it awakens, it arouses the ability in the earth to create something from nothing, and it channels that ability to create specifically whatever the seed is. So you're going to plant a tomato seed, you're not going to end up with an orange. <laughs> Whatever you plant, that's exactly what, you, what, you, what, what you're going to do. So this is the analogy. And the same is true in the spiritual sense. Sadaka is going to say is the same idea. When a yid does tzedakah, you are planting a seed. You are planting a seed in the fertile ground which is called the Shechina, which is called the Knesset, the Jewish people. We are referred to as the ground, the fertile ground. So when we plant a seed, and the Jew plants a seed, because we're part of Klal Yisrael, we're part of the Jewish people. So we are the fertile ground where Hashem put His place, His infinite self. So when we plant a seed and we give a penny, it's like planting a seed. And the result is the impossible. We plant a seed and Hashem creates something from nothing, creates this tree. So the result is, when we plant this tzedakah, the result is totally beyond. It's not even commensurate, it's not measure for measure. It's totally beyond. You give tzedakah and you see Hashem's face. Hashem reveals Himself and reveals His... It's like the connection between the, the seed and the tree. What connection is there? No connection. Hashem does everything. But you have to plant the seed. And we have the ability by planting the seed, because the seed comes from the same, comes from the earth. So when a Jew plants a seed and gives tzedakah, since we are rooted in godliness, 
our neshamas are rooted in, in the Shechina, so therefore we have the ability to evoke and to arouse this divine response, where Hashem takes over and Hashem creates something totally new and reveals Himself, His face to us. His face which completely transcends all of the worlds. Precisely like this, metaphorically speaking, every act of charity that Jews perform ascends like an elevation of Mayim Nukhan to the root of their souls above. Just as the analogy planting a seed will unveil the earth's vegetative power, so too the Jews' act of charity will elicit the divine attribute of Chesed, since this act serves as the Mayim Nukhan to its spiritual counterpart above which is referred to as Knesset Yisrael, literally the Congregation of Israel. A, because it is the source of Jewish souls, and B, because within it congregate the lights and revelations of the emotive attributes, the Mido, that derive from Yisrael, the Ela, supernal Israel. The bracket of six Sfirot, known as Zion of the world of Kilo. Knesset, it gathers, it's the gathering of all the midas, the six qualities, emotional qualities of Hashem, and it, it congregates all these lights. And in the terminology of the Zohar, the source of Jewish souls, is known as Ima Tata'a, the lower level mother. Bina, by contrast, is termed Ima Ila'a, the highest level mother, inasmuch as it is the mother of the attributes of their Amkin. While Malchut is referred to as the lower level mother, since it is the mother of the world that follows. So it's the source. Just like Bina is the source for the emotions, so too, and Bina takes the seminal idea of Chachma and builds it up and brings it and articulates it and brings it into words, which gives birth to emotions. It brings it out, reveals it, like taking the seed and, and um, forming it and bring it out into the open, which, which leads to emotions, revealed emotions. So too, the lower level, the lower mother, is the speech, the communication and the speech that, again, reveals through speech, through words, reveals and brings it out into the open and becomes the source of communication to those outside of you. So this is the higher, this is the source from within, is the inner communication from within. And uh, then there is the outer communication, which is the source, the revelation, for without. So they correspond to each other, the higher mother and the lower mother. And in the phraseology of the Talmud, the source of the souls of Israel is known as the Shekinah. It is so called because it rests from the root Shekin, i.e. it descends and is present in lowly level. Because it makes itself felt and present. Hashem is everywhere. When you say the Shechina is here, it means Hashem's presence is felt, is revealed. Um, so levels that are beyond the Shechina is where Hashem is for Himself. But the Shechina is where it's revealed. Like we already learned earlier at the end of the first part of the Tanya, the analogy of the soul. The soul is life, but the soul is one piece of life, is being, is beyond any of the details of the body. 
it's when the soul reveals itself and becomes the source of all the specific abilities and energies that animate every specific organ in the body so that general the general um, felt sense that's the soul that's the that's the where the soul reveals itself in a general sense it reveals itself in the mind and the brain and from there it spreads to the rest of the body that's why the brain is the command and control center of the body so that's the revelation that's the where Hashem's presence makes itself felt and becomes the source of all life of, of, the, of the lower realms and the specific, specific realms so all these names are describing the same thing Knesset Yisrael the gathering of all the Jewish souls we call Klal Yisrael the Jewish whole the Jewish people it's like one soul divided into 14 million bodies but it's one, one being one soul one entity or the lower mother the lower source of revelation to the outside or the Shekhinah Hashem's presence becomes manifest and felt and all inclusive and incorporates all of the all of the specific life forces. So that's called the Shekhinah. Which comprises and is utterly united with all the attributes of the Holy One, blessed is He, the first of which is the attribute of Chesed. Man's neighborly acts of Chesed ascend as a form of Mayanism to this divine attribute of Chesed, for it is a source of the attribute of Chesed within his own soul. Now, through this elevation, the actual Chesed of Hashem which is immeasurably superior to man's chesed and to worlds in general, is aroused so that a great and intense revelation of his light descends into this lowly world where it lights up the souls of Israel, at least during the time of prayer, even if not permanently. When we do a chesed, we plant a seed in this fertile ground, fertile ground which is Knesset Yisrael, Shina, Lower Mother, which awakens and stirs Hashem's ability, Hashem's kindness, which is like in the ground, just like Hashem put in the ground the ability to grow. So it awakens within Hashem, Hashem's kindness, Hashem's giving of Himself, revealing Himself. During davening, it's not permanent, but during davening we get the glimpse, we get the experience. We get to come face to face with Hashem. This is Hashem's kindness. Hashem reveals Himself with intense revelation. Although His greatness is unfathomable, and greatness denotes the divine attribute of Chesed to the extent that all are esteemed as naught before Him, how then does it descend below and become capable of being fathomed by the Jewish soul? Even so, where you find His greatness, there you find his humility. Hence, the very greatness and chesed of Hashem always find expression in his humility, i.e., in his ability to descend and reveal himself to the neithermost levels. Like water, which descends from above to below, Hashem's kindness may thus be likened to water in its ability to manifest itself within a Jew's soul in this lowly world. The very same water that's on the top, that very same water finds its way to the bottom. So Hashem's kindness is that He's giving to us. We're all the way in the bottom. 
water will find the lowest spot. That's the natural place of water. That Hashem, out of His kindness, will reveal Himself, His very self, His transcendent self. It's above even the upper world. And that very revelation will be revealed in our mind, in our heart, in our consciousness during that. That's an act of pure kindness. It's an act of, of, of like waters. He says, we find Hashem's greatness is kindness. Kindness of Hashem has the quality of humility that will find the lowest, the lowest spot. And this is implied in the verse, He shone in the darkness as a light unto the upright. He that is gracious and merciful and tzaddik. For by being gracious and merciful and tzaddik, fond of tzedakot, i.e. by performing acts of tzedakah with kindness and love, man causes the light of Hashem to shine into his soul, which is vested in his body, which stands in darkness, since it is the hide of the snake. Hashem nevertheless causes his light to shine into the soul, even as the soul finds itself within the gloom of the unlightened body. So even though we find ourselves in, in this very dark place, in this world, and the soul is in the body, and the body, as Zohar refers to the ego, the natural self, is very coarse, very harsh, very coarse, very crass. It's called the hide of the snake, and our ego pulls us down. Our ego covers up, and it's all encompassing, and it's very, very difficult to rise above it. The soul is like trapped in this dark cellar. And nevertheless, Hashem will light up this darkness. Hashem will light up in this darkness is a great illumination. To who? Those who are straight. To those who are compassionate, are merciful, and tzaddik. He uses three expressions. Because again, you have three different kinds of tzedakahs we discussed last time. Levi Yitzhak, the Rebbe's father, points out the three different times, types of tzedakah. There are those who give their obligation. They give 10% to tzedakah. There are those who give beyond obligation, 20%. And there are those who even give beyond that, without any limit. So you have three different levels of tzedakah. And Hashem responds in kind, just like you have three different types of plants, three different types of sowing, of planting. You plant a grain, you'll get back a grain. You're planting seeds, you're getting back seeds. Of course, many, 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 many more seeds than you planted, but still, you're getting a seed, a seed that you will use. Or you plant legumes, or beans, or you eat. those are things that you eat. You plant the seed and you're getting back something. Then you have seeds that you don't consume. You plant a seed and you get back a vegetable. You use the analogy of a cucumber. So you're not getting back a seed, you're getting back a vegetable. It's superior. But nevertheless, the vegetable every year has to start from scratch. So it grows again. But the ultimate is, you plant a seed, and what do you get? You get a tree. That's totally beyond what you find. It all depends on the level of tzedakah that you get person who gives his obligation, does his duty, pays his 10%, that's planting a, a seed and you get back a grain, you get back a seed. 
Those who give beyond their duty, you're planting a seed, you're getting back a vegetable. And those who give tzedakah without any limit, and tzedakah could be all levels. Just doing a person a favor, it could be physically, it could be uh, financially, it could be personally. So if you're doing a tzedakah, then beyond limit, Rabbi Lazar went out of his way. Not, not that a poor person came knocking on his door. He went looking for a poor person. Then the response is, you get back a tree. That's beyond. So too, you have the level, he says, of Malchus. Where Malchus becomes this, is enveloped and sustains all the worlds. Then you have, so that's like you give tzedakah and you get back, you give 10%, you plant a, veg, you plant a, a, a grain and you, get, and you get grain. Then you have a level of Malchus, where the level of Malchus is in the world of Atzillus. So you're, gain, you're gaining something greater. You're planting a seed and you're getting back a vegetable. A higher revelation of godliness. And then you have the source of Malchus, where Malchus becomes one with higher than Malchus. And that's when you plant, you give, you give tzedakah way beyond, even beyond 20%, then you get a tree. Then the revelation is so intense. You get directly from Hashem's kindness, which is like water that flows down, you get this intense revelation of God. It's like even while you're in the body, a human being, flesh and blood, living in this world, trapped in this darkness, in this dark dungeon, in the skin, hide, of the hide of the snake and in this ego and with all the coarseness and crassness and yet you're able to experience come face to face with Hashem you're able to experience intense revelation of Godliness in this state when darkness is converted to light is referred to as deliverance as when a man delivered from danger is transported from darkness to radiance deliverance means you were in a bad place and Hashem delivered you you need a help Someone is in light, there's no, there's no need, he's not, he doesn't need any deliverance, he's in a good place. You talk about a person who's in a dangerous place, and he needs help. And Hashem comes and delivers the help. So we're talking about when the soul is in this world, and the soul needs help. The soul is trapped, and Hashem comes and delivers the soul from this darkness. This, then, is the meaning of the above-quoted phrase, and causes deliverance to sprout forth as a result of one having sown tzedakah. For this salvation sprouts from the charity that is sown in the supernal land, the desired land, which is the Shekhinah and Knesset Israel, the source of Jewish souls so called because it divests itself in the lower world to animate them. As it is written, the sovereignty, an allusion to the Sefirah Malchut, is the sovereignty it serves as the source of all worlds. It is this supernal land that is sown with the Jews tzedakah, with the result of the divine revelation sprouts forth during prayer. He's explaining why the Jew is the fertile ground, the Jew is the fertile territory. When a non-Jew does a mitzvah, nothing happens. It's like planting a seed in, in a desert, in ground that's not fertile. It doesn't have that same response. And that's not surprising. I, I, I'm going to plant a seed, something's going to happen. The whole, even when I plant a seed and something happens, it makes no sense. When you, when you plant a seed in fertile ground, then Hashem plays this ability to create something from nothing in that fertile ground, then something happens. If you will plow and you will sow. 
but just planting, like planting, if I plant the seed on my table, what's going to happen if I plant the seed on my table and I water it and I, and I put fertilizer and the sun shines? Nothing. I haven't planted it in the right place. You have to plant it in the right place. So when a non-Jew does a mitzvah, nothing happens. It means nothing. It's, 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 it's not fertile ground. But a Jew is fertile ground. Knesset Yisrael, Klal Yisrael, corresponds to Malchus. So when, it, when the Jew does a mitzvah, it's planting the seed in the fertile ground. And therefore the response is so powerful. We get this divine response, this impossible response, this divine revelation. And he says, Malchus Malchus Because Hashem, and then the Pasa continues, and your control is in every generation. Because there's a difference if Hashem is a king or Hashem is a moishal. A moishal is a dictator. The whole world, Hashem is the dictator. Hashem is, Hashem is the boss. You like it or not, you want to or not. Malchuscha, a king. A king is different. A king doesn't impose himself on his people. The king has a relationship with his, with his subject. Without subjects, there is no king. The subjects willingly accept Hashem as their king. The Jewish people, Hashem is king over the Jew. Because the Jewish people willingly accepted Hashem as their king. So there's a relationship. There's a connection. We have the ability to make Hashem as king. It's willing. And Hashem pleads with us and begs with us. And when we do a mitzvah, we are coronating God as king of the universe. And that's the difference between the mitzvah, the 613 mitzvot and the seven Noahide laws. It's not only that we have 613 Ten Commandments and 613 details and they have seven Noahide laws with a few hundred details. It's not just a quantitative difference. It's a qualitative. It's a different... For a Jew, doing a mitzvah, every time we do a mitzvah, we're coronating God as king of the universe. We're accepting upon ourselves. We're making the bracha. Every mitzvah, we make the same bracha. Baruch Hashem Melech We are coronating God as king of the universe. By fulfilling, obeying this mitzvah, we are making God as king. We're willingly subjecting ourselves and we're coordinating Hashem as king. We're making Him our king and king through, through us, through king of the whole universe. By willingly accepting Him, willingly serving Him with joy and making Him king. But the seven Noahide laws, it's not about making God as king. It's... Hashem is, com- Hashem is commanding us. Hashem is the boss. He's, cre- he's the creator. And he dictates. This is the way I want you to live. I want you to live a civilized life. I want you to live a normal life, a moral, ethical, spiritual life. And um, so the theme, the whole theme is about settling this world. It's about fulfilling our duties and our obligations. But with the Jew, it's about that relationship. It's about the relationship of the subject and king and that us coronating God as king. Every time every one of us does a mitzvah, we are literally changing the whole universe. We are literally making God king of the universe. God forbid we don't do a mitzvah. We are single-handedly demoting God from being king of the universe. And that's in the hands of every Jew. All 14 million, every one of us. The fate of the whole universe, the fate of God Himself, 
Is he going to be king or is he not going to be king? Single-handedly in our own hands. Talmud says that's why God created Adam one. What was Adam's sin? Wasn't, he didn't do anything so terrible. He didn't rape, murder, steal. He, he ate. He, he ate something that's forbidden. He got his curiosity got the best of him. But that single act changed the universe forever because he single-handedly demoted God as king, took God's crown off, and the whole universe was affected. So the Talmud says every one of us, every Jew, has to look himself like God. The fate of the universe, the fate of Hashem Himself is in our hands. Hashem is looking and standing over us and hovering over us and looking into our hearts and our eyes and begging and pleading with us, please, my fate is in your hands. You have to willingly, I'm not going to impose myself on you. You have to willingly accept me as your king. Every time you do a mitzvah, you say, Melech you accept me as your king. You willingly accept me as your king and joyfully accept me as your king. You are my subject. You crown me as king and king of the universe. God forbid the opposite. We don't do what we have to do. We single-handedly demote God from making the earth. So this relationship, this is between the Jew and Hashem. Hashem entered into this relationship, this marriage, this king-subject relationship. And the rest of the world, it's a different theme. The theme is that we... All seven billion have to lead a civilized life and we have to listen to the big boss, our creator. To civilize this world and to make this world a civil place. Once this world is a civil place, and then you can have a relationship, then God can be king. If there's no, if there's no civil world, there's not, where, who, what am I king over? A jungle. So the mission of the seven billion people is to make sure this world is not a jungle. This world is a civilized place moral, ethical, honest place, integrity. Not everything is politicized and everything is a lie and, and you just lie for breakfast and every word coming out of your mouth is just a lie and crooked and distorted and there's no honesty and there's no integrity. and All that matters is just to get ahead and like a real jungle. You know, you live like a jungle, people treat you like the animal that you are. You know, you lose all trust and people don't trust you and people don't believe a word you say and you lose all integrity and you lose... A person has to be a mensch. You have to be moral, ethical, honest, integrity. You have to have the fear of God. That there's, there's a higher authority. And that's the theme of the seven Noahide laws. Once you have a civilized world, then the Jew can come along and create a relationship with God and, and the create a home for God and create a marriage with God. But if the, you know, if if the place is uncivilized, then the place is a jungle and you can't even start. So that's the theme of the mitzvot of the Jew. Malchus Malchus Hashem is our king, our sab. So therefore, we are the fertile ground. When we do a mitzvah, it reverberates. The repercussions, just like when you plant a seed in the ground, fertile ground, the repercussions, it reverberates, it, it sparks, it ignites, it touches off something, the impossible, it touches off something that's totally beyond the seed that I planted. It starts, creates something from nothing. Uh, trees, growth from this seed. So when we give tzedakah, when a Jew gives tzedakah, it reverberates. 
it sparks something, it ignites something that's so powerful, so beyond, something that's impossible, that Hashem's kindness, like water, Hashem's, is revealed to us in our consciousness, our hearts, and our minds, in this world, in our bodies, here and now, during David. And now he's going to conclude, that's true whenever a Jew gives tzedakah, anywhere in the world, how much more so, well, we give tzedakah for the land of Israel. It doesn't mean we have to be in the land of Israel. But even when we're giving, when we're here outside the land of Israel, but we're giving tzedakah, we're planting the tzedakah in the, in the earth. What's the ultimate earth, the most fertile ground? The earth that corresponds to the heavenly earth, which gives birth, which creates. That's Israel. Eretz Yisrael, the holy land, which is holy today, even in exile. It remains holy, it always will be holy. Ever since Hashem chose the land and gave the land to the Jewish people and Joshua conquered the land of Israel, the land of Israel is one with the Jewish people, inseparable from the Jewish people. So when we plant a seed for the Holy Land, in the Holy Land, we support our fellow Jew and give tzedakah. Those in need in the Holy Land, it reverberates and it creates something from nothing and the response is amplified a thousandfold. If you give tzedakah here, you, you experience Hashem's intense revelation. Imagine giving tzedakah to the Holy Land of Israel, what that sparks and the reverberations are beyond anything we can imagine. This applies most particularly when one uh, sows in the, in the Holy Land. The above applies to mitzvot in general, all of them being called tzedakah. As scripture states, our performance of all the commandments will be accounted for us as tzedakah, particularly so to the actual performance of tzedakah in the sense of charity. It's all mitzvah to tzedakah, but all mitzvah is our seeds. But nevertheless, when you actually give tzedakah and you actually help a poor person, and then the response is also Hashem will give us tzedakah and reveal Himself, which is the ultimate act of tzedakah. But how much more so? Continue. It applies even more particularly when the tzedakah is planted in the Holy Land, maintaining those who study Torah and serve Hashem there, which truly corresponds to it. The Holy Land below is truly located opposite the Holy Land in Heaven. For when such charity is given, the seed of tzedakah is immediately absorbed in the supernal land without any obstacle and hindrance whatever, because there is nothing whatsoever that intervenes and intercepts between the lands of life i.e. between the supernal land of life, which is the source of Jewish souls, and the land of life below, the physical holy land, for it is the gate of heaven, referring to the location of the holy temple in the holy land. When we daven, we face all our davening, all our tefillahs go through physically, we physically face the holy land. And you're in the holy land, you physically face your shalayim, and you're in shalayim, you physically face the temple, you're in the temple, you physically face the holy of holies. So all our davening physically go up through the gate. This is the gateway to heaven. This is not so, however, outside the Holy Land, where various factors may hinder the implantation of tzedakah in the land of life above. This will suffice for the discerning. This was a letter that al wrote encouraging his chassidim to give to tzedakah Rameir Balanes to support the Jews, the needy Jews in Israel at that time. Um, there was no way no source of living. Israel was really desolate. When there are no Jews there, the land is really desolate. 
And their only support system was the generosity of the Jews of Eastern Europe, who they themselves were live, living in tremendous poverty. Dr. Rebbe strongly encouraged them to give and give generously and give even beyond their means and because there's nothing like the tzedakah in general. So first Dr. Rebbe explained the, the specialty of giving tzedakah in general, beyond all the mitzvah. What's the power of giving tzedakah? The power of giving tzedakah is planting a seed which creates an impossible event. The revelation, the intense revelation of Hashem's face, of Hashem Himself, Hashem's transcendent self, which enables us to lose ourselves and become absorbed and go beyond our ego and become one with Hashem. And especially when the tzedakah, when you're giving tzedakah to Eretz Yisrael to support the Jews in Eretz Yisrael, physically giving tzedakah, putting a penny, a penny in tzedakah and really helping. Every Chabad family had a pushka. And the Rebbe would send his emissary to go around collecting, making sure to be able to collect this money, make sure this money arrives safely, support the families in Israel, community in Israel. So the Rebbe took it upon himself. That was his responsibility. Every year he would send out an appeal letter. This was an appeal letter. But you can see why these letters had such a powerful, respo- powerful uh, response. Because when you finish reading this letter, you want to go write a check to uh, a Jew in Eretz Yisrael or someone who's in need. This is the the uh, when knowing the effects that we have through the act of giving tzedakah. There's not one letter. This is already a letter number eight, and there's another um, twenty-four letters to go. And most of these letters are all about tzedakah, and each letter is a different angle, a different. Uh, quality of tzedakah, a different aspect, a different novel way of understanding the power of giving tzedakah. <laughs> so, only the Alter Rebbe could come at this from every angle imaginable. I think you know everything about tzedakah. <laughs> and reveals a new dimension, something you never thought about, something you never realized. The power of the simple act of giving tzedakah, reaching into your pocket, giving the penny, writing the tzedakah, writing the tract. Um, and and the, the Rebbe, of course, the Rebbe took this to the extreme. Every Sunday, the Rebbe would stand hours giving tzedakah to thousands of people and making them partners. A day in turn should give tzedakah. So th- this is the power of, uh, and like we're going to read in some of the later letters, this is especially the specialty of our generation. That's where we, where we excel, and that's where we shine. We don't shine, we don't excel when it comes to learning, the scholarship. We're like the midgets of all the generations. You know, the brilliance of today, you find the most brilliant mind, is like the, you know, the dullest mind a few hundred years ago was probably, um, was the greatness that, you know, simple people knew the whole Talmud backwards and forwards I mean it was we are the midgets emotionally psychologically spiritually we are the midgets in comparison to our ancestors where do we excel where do we shine in it's tzedakah that's our specialty every generation has its specialty and the tzedakah and the kindness that you see today it's incredible unfortunately my friend, uh, Rabbi Barber, he was here a few Shabbos, and his wife is in the hospital. 
uh, from Australia. She passed away. And um, this is a tragedy on top of a whole bunch of string of tragedies that have been happening lately. So someone was saying at the Shiva house, you know, whenever there's a tragedy, we have to we have to unify, we have to strengthen our unities. Whenever Jews fight, terrible things happen. We have to, we have to become more unified. So he, he, so he responded, he says, listen, you know, he just experienced a tragedy. His wife, his wife was teaching one day, and the next, thing, we, next day she's fighting for her life. You know, she found out she had leukemia. And, uh, you know, they, they, they gave her a 98% chance of survival, and she just passed away. So it's a big tragedy, but the Chani's uh, classmate. But the um, she says the amount of kindness that he's personally experienced, and kindness, is, is, it's beyond. He says he was in a hospital. They were in a hospital in Australia for three months. So all non-Jews. His wife was the only Jew there, and he got to know everyone. He says the unity that you find among Jews, you don't find it anywhere in the world. In the rest of the world, if you get a card, you get you, once a year, you get you get a flower, you're very happy. He says the kindness from strangers that he and his family experienced. He said he met someone, a very rich guy in Australia, and he was he was trying to help someone that he knew, and they were talking. He met for like five minutes. What could we do to help them? And he says, let's meet and let's talk about it. He says, I'm sorry, my wife is not hospital, I can't meet. And he started. To, he says, I'm so sorry. If you ever need anything, give me a call. You know, if you ever need mileage, I have plenty of Give me a call. Anyway, they, when they exhausted all their options in Australia, they immediately had to go to the States. So, you know, and he can't, she can't travel regular class. She was sick, taking business class, and he had to go with her. You know, he didn't have the money. So he, he called him up. He says, you know, you told me, so you don't mind, I'm calling you. Within, within an hour... He, what he gave him, he wired him $16,000 and I'm paying for your whole trip <laughs> for you and your wife. I said, you don't even know me. I, I met you for five minutes. What, what? He says, what do you mean? You're a Jew? We're Jews? You're in hell? You need help? I'm, I'm, you know, that's it. Go. And throughout here, the kindness and the, 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 the this is where we excel. You know, it's, it's, it's special. This is our strength. You know, the generosity and the chesed and the tzedakah. That's what the Rebbe emphasized every Sunday. Like, give and give and continue to give. And because there's never been a generation, there's never been a more generous generation like ours. The amounts of tzedakah that's given, the amount of kindness. All across the board. Every segment of the Jewish community. You know, I mean, now we're getting involved in the hospitals. We're just seeing all the chesed that's done and the kindness. I mean, yeah, yeah, you have these uh, satmer women who prepare every day meals for thousands of people in every hospital, hand-delivered, custom-made. Yeah, and this is done without any, no, no, not asking for anything in return. And from every community, every segment of the Jewish community. So with all the mishagas and all the fighting and all the, you have to realize that we have something special going. You know, that there's, there's a kindness, there's a tzedakah, there's a chesed, there's, there's a unity, there's a... And this is the... This will bring the gula, this brings the redemption. This is planting the seeds. And Hashem responds, and Hashem sees we do kindness. It's like planting a seed, and Hashem takes over, and He gives us a tree. <laughs> it's like, we did, a, we did a little seed, and Hashem responds with this huge tree, lush tree. That's the power of tzedakah. 
And the ultimate response, Hashem reveals Himself. That's the ultimate kindness, the ultimate tzedak. Hashem gives Himself and allows us to experience and to taste and to touch and to feel and to, in our conscious self we should experience godliness come face to face with the essence of God during prayer which is followed by the introduction of giving tzedakah like Rabbi Lazo would go find a poor person and give tzedakah so this is our strength we have to know our strength otherwise we become like these lost souls the souls it's called the fablonjit and the shamas lost souls when a person forgets what his mission in life is you can tell the story there was a very wealthy person who had to travel for business purposes and he hired this poor person in his town who was the wagon driver the taxi driver he says come we're going to go travel to this town I have to be in this town say goodbye to your family we're going to spend Shabbos in this town anyway they go to this town and the person the the wagon driver, the taxi driver thinks to himself, oh, I have an opportunity. In my town, I never have the opportunity. What would happen is a Friday night, all the poor people will come to shul. They haven't eaten all week. And they know, Friday night, Jews are generous. They'll get a nice invitation. They'll have a nice meal. So this wagon driver, he never got to invite any guests because all the rich people would invite the guests. He decided he's a stranger in town. He'll share the little herring or the little food that his wife prepared him. So he'll be the first one in the shul, and everyone, no one knows him. In town already, everyone avoided him because they know what kind of meal they're going to get in this house. You know, they were looking for a good meal. They wanted to be invited a million years row, not, not some, uh, some shack in the back of the, town, the edge of town. Here, no one knew him. He would invite people to his inn, and he'll have the mitzvah of having guests. So he's the first one in the shul. And he invites all the guests and they all come to his house so you can imagine what kind of meal they already had. <laughs> they left maybe even hungrier when they came. <laughs> then you had the rich person. The rich person comes to town, he settles in this inn. His wife sends enough food to feed an army. And he's on the way to Shul. All of a sudden he hears a Jew in distress because his, his, his wagon broke, the wheel broke and needs help. His horse is stuck in the mud and the wheel broke and he needs help. He figures to himself, you know, I never have the opportunity. It's a mitzvah in the Torah, mitzvah number 80. If your person Jew needs help, you should stop and help him. You know, I'm, I'm always driven around. I have butlers and servants. I never get to do this. Here, it's my chance. I can physically help this Jew and fulfill a mitzvah. So he's dressed in Shabbos clothes and he comes, let me help. Well, not only didn't he help, because he doesn't know anything about horses. <laughs> wagon, he made it ten times worse. The horse got deeper into the mud. The horse ended up kicking him and then and, and he got mud all over him. He walks away as a disaster. His clothes are all dirty. His Shabbos clothes are ruined. He's limping to Shul. He wasn't able to help, made things worse. He comes to Shul, he's the last one to Shul because all the guests were already invited to the, <laughs> to the wagon driver, the taxi driver. He walks, comes home to shul alone, broken, all this food wasted. After 120 years, the soul comes to heaven. So he, he argues, listen, I tried to fulfill the mitzvah, mitzvah number 80, of helping another Jew in distress. The poor person says, yes, I tried to give tzedakah. I invited all these poor people to my house for the meal. He said, you lost souls. 
the, the wagon driver, he should have stopped for the distress call. He's running to Shul to invite guests. That's not his mitzvah. You don't have the money, you don't have nothing to feed them. It's an embarrassment. What you do know, and your expertise is, you know how to get to fix a horse and to fix a wagon. So when you heard that distress call, instead of continuing on and going to Shul to be the first one there to do something that's not your mission in life, you should have done what you're good at. And the rich Jew should have continued to show, be the first one to show, invite all these poor people. They would have had a meal of a lifetime. It's called the lost souls. This is our uniqueness. This is our specialty. This is where we sparkle. This is where we shine. This is where we're the envy of all generations. And tzedakah could take many forms. It's the idea of not just thinking out of the box, not just being focused on yourself, empathizing with another person, seeing another person, helping another person, being there for another person, what can I do to help? You can't just live for yourself. You have to live to help another person. If you're excited about your Jewishness and you're proud to be Jewish, share that with a fellow Jew who, due to no fault of his own, is not excited about being Jewish. He's not proud of his Jewishness. It means nothing to him that he's Jewish. And to you, it means the world. Share that with him. And it's that caring and concern for one another that will bring Mashiach. That's the tzedakah that will bring Hashem tzedakah. He spoke Hashem tzedakah. And the tzedakah that we just learned about, the tzedakah that's pure, gratuitous kindness, where Hashem will reveal Himself. Because when you have Hashem, you have everything else. When you have the King Himself, everything comes with it. Hashem comes with a smile, this joy, and this physical, physical success, and health, and life, and nachas, and only good things. And it all comes by the act of giving tzedakah, the powerful act of giving tzedakah, the physical act of giving tzedakah. You know, the Baal Shem Tev once said, they asked the Baal Shem Tev, Baal Shem Tev taught that everything in this world is here to teach us a lesson. Everything is divine providence. Everything has a message. God is giving us a message. Everything we encounter, everything we see, everything we hear, everything we experience, there's a divine message, a personal message for us. It's not just random. Nothing in the world is random. At this moment, God is creating this world, is creating you, and is allowing you to see this and to hear this. Hashem is giving us a message. So they asked Rebbe, what's the message of atheism? Everything is a message. There's a divine message in everything. What possible good message could there be in atheism? Atheism is the worst of the worst. One split second, you lose everything. You lose your whole share in the world to come because of that atheistic thought. Denying Hashem is the worst thing. Idolatry is the worst thing in the world. Hashem too said there's a message in that too. When a poor person comes knocking on your door, I haven't eaten, I need help. At that moment, become an atheist. But don't sit him down, let me teach you some Torah, let me teach you faith, let me teach you trust. Let's dance together. Let's cry together. At that moment, you have to help him. He needs a piece of bread. He needs some physical help. Roll up your sleeve. At that moment, don't say, God will help you. Become an atheist. You help him. Call to action. Call to action. Hashem wants you to help him. You are Hashem's (laughs) messenger to help him. Physically, roll up your sleeve and help him. Don't say, God will help. Go back to sleep. It's my problem. Somebody's starving, knocking on my door. God will help. 
the big God in this world. I'm going to help God run this world. <laughs> Let God do his job and I'll study Torah and go back to do good things. At that moment, you have to become the atheist. Open your door, help him, embrace him. Do whatever you can to physically take care of him. There's a lesson in Abby that we are the most self-sufficient generation. So on one hand, it's a very, very arrogant. I'm, I'm a self-made man. I'm self-sufficient. I don't need God. I'm God forbid. But utilize that quality for good. Take the initiative. You're, you're self-sufficient. You're a creator. You're a doer. No. Roll up your sleeve and do and help. Help someone. Help someone indeed. Do something. Utilize that quality. I'll just conclude with a beautiful story of the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. When he came to America, first time he visited America after he left Russia, after he was sentenced to death by Stalin, and miraculously his sentence was commuted, and then he was exiled, and then they, he left Russia. He came to America in 1929, he visited Israel, and then came to America. And he was visiting... Uh, Chicago and then he came permanently he came in 1940 I'm not sure if the story happened the first time he visited or when he came and moved here and then he also visited Chicago I think in 1942 and one of the big supporters families were very close to the previous Rebbe and they were instrumental in helping him get out of Europe and one of their children this family one of the, the son you know, the Rebbe was coming to Chicago. He was very excited. He told his son, come see the Rebbe with me. He said, the son had no interest. He had no interest in Yiddish. He had no interest. He said, I, I don't want to meet an old European rabbi. You know, he was this brash American kid, you know, a wealthy family, and you know, he was on top of the world. Meet a 62-year-old European rabbi. I have no interest. The previous Rebbe comes to visit this person, he visits him in his office, and he asks, where's your son? I told him the truth. My son was not interested. The Rebbe says, where does your son work? He says, he works here in the building. So the Rebbe says, I want to see him. So he takes the previous Rebbe down to see his son. The son was so chutzpahdik, the father wanted to bury himself alive. You know, like Americans, he had his feet up in the desk. He meeting the Rebbe. It was like, he couldn't care less. I care about this old rabbi. He was so embarrassed, he didn't know where to bury himself. The previous rabbi turns to the father, he says, no, I like his son. He says, he says, with his, with his attitude, he says, <laughs> he, says he, he, can, he can conquer the world, he can take over the world. You can't tell him what to do, but you can teach him to do everything. So the Rebbe saw that American arrogance, that ego, that brashness, coarseness, crassness, which is pretty despicable, but he 
turned it into something positive. Confidence. Right, that confidence, because you can conquer the world with that. When a person with that ego, like that, that, with that atheism, that arrogance, and I, and I can conquer the world. You know, there's no limits what I can do. I, I, if you can use that ego for positive, for good, and take the initiative and become a creator, and you can do tremendous things. Because when a person is, is just obeying, you know, it limits you also. It's like you're very cramped, your style is cramped, you're limited. You don't have that rashness, you don't have that chutzpah, you don't have that uh, to think big. But when you have that ability and you can turn that around, that's the message in atheism. There's a message there too. If you can utilize that ability and that confidence and that, uh, you know, to go forward and to build and become a creator and a doer and do things in a broad you know, with a broad, uh, in a broad way, in a big way, you can do tremendous, tremendous good. So instead of being intimidated by that spirit, you know, most spiritual people would just say, I mean, this, this is hopeless. I mean, this kid is lost for life. I mean, this kid is hopeless. With that arrogance, with that ridiculous arrogance and ego, you know, all he is is the hated American. You know, why the whole world hates, you know, because that arrogance and that ego... It's all negative. The previous Rebbe saw differently. He saw, he saw, no, we can turn that around. There's a positive message in atheism also. You can turn that around and utilize and harness that ability for good. So money is the ultimate ego symbol. And by giving tzedakah, taking that and shining and sparkling and using that for good and creating so much good, it's really something to be proud of, something very special. That is the specialty of our generation. That is, and through tzedakah, as we learned in the previous letter, through tzedakah, we're going to merit to see Mashiach. So the Rebbe, every Sunday, give and give and give, and just without any limits, not 10%, not 20%, just give and give. And this, this is the seed that will give birth to the tree. Well, Hashem Himself will reveal Himself. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.